Oh my god, Rachel, stop! No, that's so offensive. No, ser seriously, you have to stop it. No, no! This has been a prank by Rebecca. <laughs> we pranked you. We pranked you guys so I good. You so good. Uh, please don't stop. You listening. thought I wasn't here. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, so this is Schmodcast, the podcast. I'm Rebecca. Mm -hmm. And I'm Rachel. And we wanted to start right off the top with the quick little correct about last episode. Mm -hmm. um, whoops. Someone named Rebecca might have uploaded the Rebecca only audio for like a hot second <laughs> to the podcast and published it because we don't test anything and we don't have any QA going. Um, thank you. Thank you for yeah. all the people who reached out to us to let us know. But nine unfortunate yes. souls had already listened to the Rebe only audio. And to you, <laughs> I apologize. I did hear some folks say it was kind of fun. They were imagining what you what I was saying in response. And a few people even said it would be fun for them to submit their own audio response and just guess what I had been saying to you. Well, Let's do that. That sounds like a really fun next future um, outro yeah. little gimmick. Maybe next time. Or if but one of us time, is traveling and the other one just can't make it, there it is. Yes, brilliant. <laughs> but if you're someone who, if you're listening to this one now, we're on episode 28 called Memory Lane. And if you tried to listen to episode 27 and you only heard Rebecca's audio, it has been corrected. So if mm -hmm. you're listening to this now and you missed 27, you should be able to go back and re-listen. We did find if you're an Apple user, ugh, wow. if you use Apple products, you might have to go listen to another episode and then go back to the corrected one, number 27. That's the troubleshooting that we found. Which is works. which is literally what you're doing right now if you're listening yeah. to this exactly. right That's now really good and point. then you're going to hum back to 27. Or you could just go listen to it on Spotify or Amazon like a normal person. But if you use Apple, that's fine, too. Um, Apple people are normal people, too. We all deserve love. That's true. The Apple, Apple people are fancy people, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, fancy. Well, um, we are super excited to be schmodding with you all again. Uh, this is Schmodcast, the podcast, the podcast that's just two PLPs. Looking back, Ooh. looking back. So this this episode is called Memory Lane, and we're going to start with um, Re well, Rebecca, you had a really good point recently that on our schmod we should tell some stories from the history of our friendship because the schmodcast is really just like documenting our lives together, and we've had how many years? Twenty years of friend? No, not not twenty. Is it twenty? Sixteen. We don't know. We're not sure. We've, yeah, we've already had like 16 or 17 years of 17? friendship, so there's like a bunch of We think 17. we met in 2006, yeah. we believe. Yeah, so that would be... Um, it's coming up on 17, and I think 17. the traditional gift for that is that you buy me something with gold in it. That I buy you something with gold? Well, Our friendship is gold. I think that's the traditional 17th year gift, though. Oh my gosh. Anyway, just... Something to think Make about. Make new friends, <laughs> but keep the old. One is silver and the other gold. See? Friendship. You already have it. Oh, what a beautiful from gift. Me to you. <laughs> You're welcome. So why don't you tell us for our little intro here, the story of the baby pool of Diet Coke. Oh, okay. So 
one of the the early things that let me know that Rachel was very cool and an extremely thoughtful gift giver uh, <laughs> was it was a re- creative a creative gift giver maybe I think this is <laughs> this goes down as one of my favorite gifts um, even though it made me a little sick to my stomach so the <laughs> the story was um, in my family we always celebrated Lent we're not celebrated we observed Lent by giving something up that was di- rather difficult. And my mom usually did chocolate. And I always phoned it in by picking something that was really easy for me to give up. And then that particular year, I decided I was going to give up Diet Coke. And oh yeah, at the time, I was a really major soda fan. It was, yeah. I definitely had at least a Diet Coke every day, if not multiple. And that so it was a big burden for you and also for all of us, your loved ones, because you spent a whole month not drinking Diet Coke. And that was hard and for everybody. talking about it a lot. Um, yeah. And so um, in order to, and then at the end to celebrate the fact that I'd been abstaining from Diet Coke, um, Rachel and our other friend Eric found got a baby pool, filled it with a bunch of ice and then poured, yeah. I mean, just probably 20 gallons of, of diet soda oh, yeah. in order to fill it up. Because yeah. what you might not know if you have baby pools and you just fill it up with the garden hose is it's a lot, a lot, a lot. It's a really lot a lot of liquid. Of liquid. And this was in our little college apartment. Mm-hmm. We had we rigged up this baby pool, like blew it up, and then went to Walmart and bought like so much. It wasn't all name brand Diet Coke because that was expensive. Yeah, we were poor college but students. Man. And then we rigged up these like long straws. We like would tuck each straw into the straw so that we could all kneel around it and drink as much of that That's baby pool right. as we could. And I just remember going into your room and being handed a straw and it was like <laughs> little like angels were singing and there was harps in the background. I, and I, I was like, welcome. And then we all got cancer. Yeah. It was amazing. Oh, so much aspartame <laughs> that day. I It was so great. It reminded me, and then, like, in that moment, I was like, I'm really proud of myself because I know I can give up soda, and I like Diet Coke, and I would like to not go without. I overindulged that day, and I, yeah, I had, like, a stomach ache for, like, days after that. For years, I think, (laughs) for years. Still have it. It was amazing. Um, I still have a stomach ache. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, that was one of my um, favorite stories, actually. That's a really good one. (laughs) There's a picture of it, too. I've got to find it. It was back when we used film cameras, so we have a picture of it. a hard copy of it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. We only have a hard copy. It might also be on Facebook because many years ago, I like digitized mm. some of my favorite hard copy photos by taking pictures of them and putting them on Facebook. That's cool. I'm sure it was because that Highly was really digital. Like at that point, we were all on Facebook, but only college students. Yeah. 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 Back when it was cool. What a millennial thing to say. I mean, <laughs> Yeah. Back in my day. So, so yeah, that is yeah. – look forward to more That's of those little, little nuggets. Uh, we yeah. Have, we have 16 to 17 years worth of those. <laughs> Friendship nuggets. Get ready. So that was our – all. like that's our intro, but we all already did our first little connects and corrects, which is to thank all the troubleshooters and remind you all that we're sorry about episode 27. Um, we also have a couple other little connects and corrects. One is that um, – Marmy is listening. <gasps> Marmy, aloha. That's my my mama, who I lovingly call Marmy, has been listening, and she let us know that she really liked the "We Are the World" episode, and she sent us some added notes about how talented Michael Jackson is, mm. and suggested that folks watch the documentary "This Is It." Uh, because we made some comments in that episode about how we like have complicated feelings about Michael Jackson, in part because he is extremely talented and a predator 
Yeah, and that's actually a really good recommendation because that documentary also does a really good job. There's this one scene I remember from it where it really shows like how actually pitch perfect talented MJ yeah. was and to sort of then then it really helps you understand why that evening was like so extra difficult for everybody because they all had just learned the song and as our loved ones have talked about earlier with the documentary it was really phenomenal because the song had gotten written right before and they're all reading it cold and that Michael mm. really stands above the rest of them because he was just mm -hmm. so 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 talented so yeah watch all the documentaries another, another little documentary I just also I just really love anytime we can circle back to we are the world and Bob Dylan mm. in any way mm -hmm. it's important to me can so. you um can you do a Bob Dylan impression yet I know you've been working on that really hard <laughs> What was what was his line in um what was the thing he kept singing in the We Are the World? Uh, there are places. You know, he's like, yeah. we'll make it if we can. Yeah, that was that was really good. That's it, right? Yeah. That's I think the good. words might be wrong, but the spirit we is. We are like... the world. <laughs> we are the children. Does that sound like him? It's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think so. <laughs> I look forward to maybe a little raspy. And that was kind of his thing, like a zippy, raspy yeah. combo move. Yeah. Can you can you do a Michael Jackson impression since I gave you my Bob Dylan? No. Oh, that was decisive. <laughs> I will endeavor to work on that for you. Don't limit yourself, Rebecca. Mm. You are limitless. You are made of stardust, and so is Michael Jackson. Thank you. I'm going to work mm -hmm. on it now. Okay. Okay. You should. Well, another little connects and corrects. Just want to shout out to our buddy Sierra, who has been texting me about Love is Blind, because we did do an episode on Love is Blind a million years ago. Marmy also watches Love is Blind. Hello, Marmy. That's cool. It is so freaking good, you guys. And I am furious because we binge watched all of those when they had already been released. And there's a new season, season four. And I did not realize that they don't release it all at once. They release, like, a few episodes at a time. So we have been, like, slowly making our way through it this time, and it's obnoxious. I wanted to binge the whole thing. And there's still one episode left that comes out tomorrow. I'm, we're all on the edge of our seats. Or, to quote your sister, we're on the edge of our pants. Yeah, on the edge of my pants. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I and, forgot about and that. And for anybody who hasn't seen it, when we say it's so good, we also mean that it is so bad. It's both. It's really bad. It's it's terrible. It's a perfect show in that way. It's an excellent um it has been prescribed to us by a doctor to deal with grief. Mm -hmm. And we we highly recommend it for all the rest of you as well. Way better than doing heroin. Just watch Love is Blind. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely I mean, better. I don't know. I've never done I've never done heroin, but this is, I am assuming this is better. There's a lower risk of this ruining your life yeah. forever. It probably doesn't it probably doesn't feel better than heroin, but it is better than heroin. Why did this turn into a heroin ad all of a sudden? We're not promoting know, it. Rebecca. We're not promoting it. No. Definitely not. That's why I'm saying watch Love is Blind. <laughs> okay. Don't twist my words. No, okay? I'm, I'm okay. I'm confirming this is not okay. an ad for drugs this time. Not. Okay opposite well how's the garden how's the chickens speaking of drugs <laughs> yeah perfect uh the garden is good so i think i mentioned maybe a couple ups ago about um using like literally planting seeds with one of our moon rituals as part mm -hmm. of our ramadwiwin and those little seed intentions really did well there were almost mm -hmm. the full moon cycle through 
and they're like two inches tall and thriving. And so they're going to get transplanted this weekend. Yes. And And these are all for pollinator paradise. Is that right? That is absolutely correct. So we're planting everything that flowers. So it'll be pretty and attractive for us on our lanai while we're looking out, but also big flowers that attract the butterflies and the bees. Um, I'm also like planning longer term to plant things that the chickens don't like in order to start making like a barrier for chickens. Mm. They don't, apparently they don't like rosemary. So they have like really bad smells. But I think rosemary also doesn't love the humidity. I know. So I've got to find something that works for the tropics the chickens don't like. But um, we also, I planted a bunch of marigolds because Rachel and I both really like those flowers. And those are doing great. I actually threw a bunch of those seeds all over the yard in various places. And I've been enjoying watching them sprout up. So, So, yeah. Those Garden's those good. marigolds, fun little story side story. Part of why I love marigolds was because we had a marigold plant in um, years ago, and it like wouldn't bloom, wouldn't bloom, wouldn't bloom. Mm-hmm. And then like the day that I found out that um, my friend Dylan had died, they bloomed. Yeah, and it was just like it. It felt like it was a little sign. And. What made it extra special was that we had planted it in this like old statue. There was like a little, mm-hmm. it was like a bird bath basin that we'd filled with soil to plant. And it was like kind of unsightly when it was just a patch of dirt. So once the flowers came in, it looked good. And the timing was like oddly it was specific odd. because yeah. not only the personal connection, but it was right around the time of El Dio de los, Dio de los Muertos. And that's the flower yeah. that they put all yeah. over the graves there or that on the altars. So yeah, it was just like yeah. global support. Really good timing. So we love a marigold. We, we've got a fun story about how we got that planter as well. We'll save that one for a future um, oh. future little intro story oh. from our friendship. I'm at the, the edge of my pants. <laughs> yeah, at the edge of your pants. Well, one last little connects and corrects. Um, We also learned from a friend who has a latex allergy that Mm -hmm. she is allergic to latex, but not allergic to bananas, allergic to a bunch of other stuff, but not bananas. So last episode, we learned that a lot of people who are allergic to latex are also allergic to bananas. And then one of our friends pointed out that she does not have that problem. So interesting. So I guess it's not 100% guaranteed. I know. I can't believe you stated it previously as if it was 100% guaranteed. Like, I just find random things on the internet. I print them out and I read them. Yeah. That's that's <laughs> what's happening here. Yep. That's what we do. <laughs> Shall we get ourselves in some trouble by starting some new hot tops? Yeah. Let's also, like, say some really unsub- unsubstantiated facts. That's what's coming yep. at you. Do you want to go yep. first? I feel like I've been I do because I feel like you did last time. Yeah, let's do it. I don't I – don't, feel like you did. I know that you did. Yeah. Nice. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Lay it, right. lay it on <clears throat> me. A little bit in tune with the title of this episode, Memory Lane. We took a hot top suggestion from one of our favorite uncles, and I'm going to talk about bringing back woolly mammoths. <gasps> yeah. This is the topic you've been waiting for your whole life. Now, first, Rebecca, you must confess to me. Have you already Googled this on your own? Um, I don't I don't think so. Okay, great. Because we've been sitting on this concept for months, but haven't looked into it at all. Yeah. Yeah. All I know is about why they wanted to bring them back for the yeah. the tundra and the permafrost, but I don't know anything yeah. beyond that. So I'm excited. Cool. Okay. 
Well, I've got for us today four articles, and I'm going to read some little snippets from each one. The first two are from 2021, and then the next two are more recent. So you can follow along the story of basically like whether, why, and how scientists think that they can actually create woolly mammoths uh, that are obviously have been extinct for a long time. So <laughs> Um, this first article is from the New York Times in 2021, and it's it focuses on a company called Colossal uh, that is specifically at that time was just getting its funding and claiming that it was going to um, bring back woolly mammoths. They were carrying out all these experiments, uh, mostly with a biologist from the Harvard Medical School called George Church. He's basically quoted in all of these articles, so he must be really integral to this process. Um, the way they were going to do it is they're going to edit elephant DNA and add genes from mammoths mm -hmm. uh, to add things like dense hair and thick fat for withstanding cold and then ultimately produce entire populations of these animals. To be clear, now this article doesn't say this, but I read this later. It's not going to be – it wouldn't be a real woolly mammoth. It's a hybrid mm -hmm. really because it's using elephant DNA as well. Gotcha. Of course – this brings up all sorts of weird ethical questions, um, but the idea is they could reconstruct the genomes of extinct species based on fragments of DNA that they retrieve from fossils. So they pinpoint the genetic differences that set ancient species apart from modern cousins and start to figure out how those differences in the DNA produce differences in the actual bodies. Now, why would we want to do this aside from just being mad scientists? Mm -hmm. You hinted at this earlier. Some people think it could help the environment. Mm -hmm. um, so the main place that they're, they, they're like, we need to make woolly mammoths and put them in Siberia mm -hmm. because the tundra is being dominated by moss and they need to make more grasslands by breaking up that moss knocking down trees and the and the woolly mammoths would also provide fertilizer with their droppings and that this would somehow help like climate change mm -hmm. now one of the questions you may be asking yourself is like isn't there modern animals they could use to do this yeah, yeah basically yeah, yeah. they've already imported bison and other like living species that they're using to populate those areas um but anyway dr church and his people at colossal are like we should do woolly mammoths instead <laughs> they think it'll work better i think they probably just it just sounds like a lot of fun to them mm -hmm. um yeah one of the big problems with this, at least back in 2021, is that they're like, how are we going to harvest eggs from elephants? Yeah. And they're like, that's going to be really hard. They <sighs> had to also turn ordinary elephant tissue into stem cells that they could maybe coax into developing embryos in a lab uh, because they obviously need some – they need to make embryos. Right. They also were like, can a can a real live elephant? Could we like impregnate the elephant with this woolly mammoth Prob embryo or not? We don't know because the woolly mammoth <laughs> was surely know. larger than the elephant, which is usually the opposite right? of what you want. Yeah, uh oh, all kinds of implications. So they're like, we're going to make an artificial mammoth uterus using stem cells. Oh well, now we're really going for it. Are they going to 3D print a woolly mammoth uterus? I don't know. This is getting know. crazy. Here's another great question. What about mother infant bonds? Elephants are quite mm -hmm. evolved creatures and baby elephants are unlike um 
some other mammal species, they take many, many years to mature and require like nurturing and socialization from the adults in their community. (laughs) So you make a woolly mammoth baby, but there's no woolly mammoth adults to nurture them. I wonder would the elephants just accept this slightly odd looking spawn or would we need like an unlikely pairing where we get like a mama cat to take care of the baby elephant yes a cat that's what they that's exactly what they that was so they, i knew it just one small <laughs> cat and a woolly mammoth baby no it's a be big perfect. cat a big cat rachel oh, not a small cat a big cat yeah. or if it's yeah. siberia get a siberian tiger that's brilliant well you're on to something with that actually because part of why people were excited about this science is even if we don't actually bring back woolly mammoths or even if we do and they don't like fix the tundra, it could lead to some technology that would help us save other species, mm. including species that are not yet um, – haven't been extinct for as long as the woolly mammoths. Okay, so same year, different article by NPR um, brings up some of the ethical implications. They're like, maybe we shouldn't be doing this. Um The actual name of the animal that they would be bringing back is not a woolly mammoth. It's not an elephant. It's a mammophant. Mm -hmm. But that's um, very – it feels very Island of Dr. Moreau. It's very uncomfortable. (laughs) But they're hoping – they're like, okay, it would look and presumably behave like a woolly mammoth. But we also don't really know how woolly mammoths behaved. So this is difficult to – Right. Determine. Should they look into? Um, there was a. It's not a documentary. There was an amazing film with Brendan Fraser called Encino Man, where he was like yes. frozen and thawed. What if we bring exactly. one of those back? Because they'll know about woolly think... mammoths. No, listen, hear me out. And then okay. we get him or her to tell us what the woolies are going to be like. You know, train them basically, yeah. and that's how we fix well, that problem. That is a great idea. Um, so we are we are still looking for a fully frozen solid adult human man from the Encino period, mm-hmm. and we're going to just thaw him and see if he can help. Yeah. Uh, so great suggestion. Thank you. Uh, but even if we did, here's the other problem. There is virtually no evidence to support the hypothesis that trampling by a large number of mammoths would have any impact on the tundra and positively affect climate change. Mm. It could, we don't know, could actually have a negative effect (laughs) on climate change. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's Uh, It might, it could upset the current ecosystem. Mm -hmm. Like there, the ecosystem has adapted to the absence of mammoths. There's a new normal in these environments. Um. So that's one of the drawbacks. We already talked a little bit. This uh, NPR article also mentions like animals are not just a set of genes. They're social. And so we can't like just reproducing their genes isn't necessarily going to do what we want it to do. Right. And the last little thing from 2021, the NPR article points out the timeline is exceptionally short. They thought they were going to do this in six years. And that seems unreasonable. Yeah. 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 Especially if they're like, they're still at the stage of how do we get the eggs? How do we grow or 3D print our uterus? Like there's a lot that needs to happen. There's so many steps to this (laughs) that just really, it just really seems unlikely. Mm -hmm. So fast forward, those were in 2021 when people really first started talking about this publicly. 2023, we've got some new articles. Uh, I've got two more for you. This one is from Popular Mechanics. Um, and 
it just says that Colossal, that company I mentioned, they've got $60 million more dollars in funding. Oh. They're still working towards a 2027 de-extinction of the woolly mammoth plan. So this is still happening, y'all. Um, they did originally hope to put these new woolly mammoths in Siberia, but now they're kind of thinking about some other options because of geopolitics. Ever heard of Russia? Oof. There's some stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah, it's getting all dicey. So that makes it- little complicated but this article goes a little more into the science what i which i thought you might nerd out on um the woolly mammoth dna is a 99.6 percent match for the asian elephant oh wow okay which is why colossal thinks that they're like not too far from achieving their goal Mm -hmm. this article does say that they're planning to implant the embryo in an african elephant which is bigger than an Asian elephant. Helpful. So that's why. Bigger of So they don't have to make, yeah, so they wouldn't have to make that fake uterus. So <laughs> turns out they're still in the, they're still in the plans. Okay. But counter argument. Okay. Last article. This one is from Science Magazine or something like that. Um, also 2023. Oh, no, this one's actually 2022, but it just has some more recent counter arguments. The title of this article is bringing back the woolly mammoth and other extinct creatures may be impossible. Mm -hmm. And they point out, first of all, if we're going to bring back an extinct animal, how about we start with like a smaller one? Like we've never brought back any extinct animals. Why are we starting with woolly mammoths? Mm -hmm. This has Jurassic Park IRL written all over it. Right? Mm -hmm. It's just that these people think it's like would be fun, it sounds like. And they've got like a a fake climate change argument for it to justify why they're doing it. Well, there's an extinct rat called um, the Christmas Island rat. Oh, this rat lived on the Christmas Island, which is in the Indian Ocean, mm-hmm. and people have been trying to de-extinct it mm-hmm. uh, for a while, but it's not working at all. Um, there haven't been any species ever revived, and um, here's a quote for you. To bring back an extinct species, scientists would first need to sequence its genome, then edit the DNA of a close living relative to match it. Mm-hmm. Next comes the challenge of making embryos with the revised genome, bringing them to term in a living surrogate mother. So far, scientists have sequenced the genomes of about 20 extinct species, including a cave bear, passenger pigeon, and several types of mammoths and moas. But no one has yet reported creating the extinct Uh, actually creating the extinct genome in a living relative. So even using this rat, which has like less DNA and is like smaller and easier to do Mm -hmm. and more recent, this rat went extinct way more recently than the woolly mammoth. Right. They are even compared, they're still about 5% short of the genome. Mm. So that's a lot of DNA missing. (laughs) Yeah. Do you, did Uh, the article uh happen to go into whether or not the, extinct christmas island rat like how close is its dna match to like a regular rat you know the elephante mm. to the mammophant was like a 0.4 percent difference i'm just curious if that's yeah what that jump is you know i don't see it giving a percentage the same way that the other one did but it does point out um the human genome is only a one percent difference between humans and chimps and bonobos mm-hmm so, like, just looking at the, I mean, certainly a, a extinct oh, rat still a and a huge current rat difference. would be way closer yeah. than that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. 
Yeah. So even though we were like, oh, cool, like woolly mammoth are only 0.4% different from an Asian elephant. Well, humans and chimps are only a 1% difference. Yeah. So like 0.4% is actually quite a bit. Yeah. It's know? still a lot of ground to make up. I was just curious if yeah. the bat was actually harder than the, the mammophant. No, it should be easier because they say the more time that's passed since an extinct species and its living relative have diverged, the more genes are likely to be missing. That makes sense. The Christmas and Norway rat, so that's what they were going to take was the Christmas Island rat and a modern Norway rat. Mm -hmm. They split 2.6 million years ago, which is just the blink of an eye in evolutionary time, Mm -hmm. whereas mammoths and Asian elephants diverged 6 million years ago, over twice as long ago. So that's two blinks. That's a lot. It's two whole blinks, mm. right? And you know what they say. If you um, blink, you miss it. Two blinks, never even saw it. Never. Yeah, you blinked both eyes at the same time now. <laughs> Didn't see it. Yeah. Well, there's other people, though, that are like, well, screw the rats, screw the mammoths. Mm-hmm. We think we could really focus our efforts on an extinct marsupial called the Thysaline, a.k.a. Tasmanian tiger. I don't know how to say its other oh. name, but Tasmanian tiger. They th- there are some people who say that's really the best candidate for de-extinction um, because even though 5% of the Tasmanian tiger's genome is missing, that 5% is from primarily repetitive regions that might not affect how the transformed animal looks or behaves. So I think some of this is just chance, like what DNA were we able to find in fossils yeah. and did it happen to be the most important DNA or the DNA that's similar to what we already have in its modern relatives. Yeah. Because I, I know that it's obviously there's been a lot of changes since I was like studying this stuff because it's been a long time. But I remember being really gobsmacked that there were just like long sequences of our DNA chain that just like are basically meaningless. They're basically placeholders yeah. until you get the good stuff. Yep. So that is interesting. Well, Total happenstance. That's the thing. Yeah. I know. And we only have, it's 2023. They've got four, three and a half more years to figure this out if Colossal thinks that they're going to have woolly mammoths in Siberia by 2027. Mm. Well, I guess set a calendar alert and let's just see. Yep. 2027. Yep. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> unless, you're, alarm in your calendar. unless you're the uncle who recommended it and then, you, well, then you've heard yeah. it again. Probably you've heard it before. Then. <laughs> that's it. That's that's my hot top, my memory lane. Oh, what a cold hot top! I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I'm trying to do what you do for me, which is to like connect our hot tops, even though they're mm. completely independent. Mm. And um, I I just have been dying to tell you and everyone else who's listening about these um, orca whales. So I guess related Ugh. is. Um, this is animals. This is animals, and this is related to our upcoming travels. That that will mm. be. It's a it's a to be memory, and that is how it's the oh. same tied it together. It's a to do da. It's a to do da memory. All right, listen yeah. up, people, because I'm here to talk to you about why orcas are killing sharks and removing <laughs> their livers. This is <laughs> wild. Okay. Literally wild. I got this from the National Geographic, so very reputable. Heard of them. Jessica Taylor Price published this at the end of March this year, 2023, so it's hot off the presses. And uh, basically, here's what happened. About in February, so this is all just in the last couple months, 19 shark carcasses washed up on the beach in Cape Town, South Africa. 
in one month. That is wild. And it's a lot. And can we just agree right now to call them sharkesses instead of shark carcasses? Yes, that'll save us a lot of time. 19 sharkesses. 19 sharkesses washed up on the beach and they were totally intact. The only thing that was missing is they had <laughs> like an incision behind their gills on the right side of their bodies where their livers are had been sucked out clean through the tear in their shoulders. The Amazing. rest of their organs totally intact. So what? What? Here's what happened. Some scientists, some drones were like, what? This is crazy. All right. There's these two orcas known as port and starboard, which was sailing terms. So cute. Left and right. Um, And the reason they have this cute name is because unlike most wild orcas that have their their dorsal fins straight up, these fins are leaning and one leans to the left Mm. called port. One leans to the right called starboard. So cute. Um, so Port and Starboard are just a pair, maybe brothers. They're speculating. They, they've been hanging out together in South Africa. They figured out that they can, um, exert a lot less energy to get a snack or a little lunchtime meal by just going over to a shark, cutting it with its teeth and ripping out the liver. Cause sharks in general are kind of difficult to, to kill and even harder to then like finish munching on cause they're cartilaginous they got thick skin they're kind of like meant to be tough and hard to break into Mm -hmm. so these fancy orcas who love foie gras they're just like really (laughs) into liver snacks probably now have cholesterol problems but they like literally ate like three or four great white sharks in like a day because just the livers just the livers because a liver snack for an orca, they're big animals too. They're they're like huge dolphins. They need, they need a lot of food to stay alive. So they're eating a lot of liver instead of eating what they're supposed to eat, which is like tons Ugh. of fish. And it's really freaking people out. First of all, it's freaking out all of the, the folks who run shark diving and like ecotourism in South Africa. Uh-huh. Because all the sharks were like, we got to get out of here. Like this oh. is not safe. So the, the sharkesses have declined because the sharks <laughs> have gotten out of town, which is impacting people that are doing like diving trips and hoping to see sharks because for anybody who doesn't know, like Cape Town is like a pretty poppin' shark place because of all the seals that hang out down there and mm-hmm. penguins. So the sharks are not leaving because the orcas are bad. The orcas are also like very clever. They have a what's like culture they have a strong social bonding and these orcas have been seen doing their special liver incision snack attack in front of other orcas so all the science community is starting to get worried that other orcas are going to learn this and globally our poor shark babies are going to get sharkissed everywhere and why this matters, in case you're like, who cares? I've seen Jaws, Death to All Sharks. Let me tell you about this. So sharks, more important than orcas, actually, they keep the food web within the ocean in check because sharks mm. go after sick fish. So they prevent mm-hmm. like other like fish-related pandemics from happening or wiping out like the health of large fish mm-hmm. colonies. And they also um, eat sort of mid-level fish predators 
which then the fish predators, if you don't have the shark eating them, then they proliferate and then they overfish right. the smaller fish population. Like, the, like seals. They, we need them to control the seal population. Exactly. And so we need them also to eat like medium level of predator fish because otherwise the algae fish, the fish that eat algae on the coral reef and help keep the reefs healthy, they will then get predated because there'll be too much of their uh -huh. predators because there's not enough sharks to eat them. And then the reefs all of a sudden are dying. And that's one of the, yeah. like, and the sharks take a long time to get big and strong and, and like start eating all the fish they're supposed to eat. So even just murdering one shark can devastate an entire reef. Never Gosh. mind all the sharks, port and starboard. I know it's all fun and games, but. <laughs> I got to ask you to move along. Go back to eating regular fish. <laughs> Stop being so lazy. Plus, they're all going to have heart attacks. Eating that much liver cannot be good for their bodies. I don't know. There's no way. Are, do, are there plans to stop them? Mm. That is such a good question. Um, they're working on it. They're doing a study, um, especially because of this, like, huge threat to the, like, ocean ecosystem but they don't have like a super strong plan for this solution. Yeah. And I, I, I just want to know why killing them isn't an option. Like I know, well, I know we don't love it, <laughs> but like they're serial killers. And what do we do with serial killers? That's all I'm saying. Arrest my case. <laughs> I rest my case. I'm sure orcas are protected. I mean, the orcas are also very important to the, ocean ecosystem yeah but not not these two they're not helping no just not these two jerks do we know why their dorsal fins are all effed up because that's kind of creepy yeah so we we learned a long time ago in the like free willy documentary slash yes. movie that orcas in captivity tend to have that sad dorsal um they, right. they're not sure why these two have this because they're they're wild they've never been in captivity they think it's likely due to poor diet so again foie gras eating all that foie all gras. i'm saying or they were injured in some way it's just kind of funny yeah. that they this is the, another reason they think that they're brothers or they're related to it yeah. or they've grown up together they've some because they would have experience exactly and it's just kind of cute yeah. that one flops to the left and one flops like, right rebecca what if they're like two sweet misfits who just like found each other and like the other orcas used to tease them mm -hmm. and they got together and they were like, I'll show you. I'm I, I just eat shark liver. I do. I think it I think if they could just do like one shark liver every couple of months instead of like nineteen sharkesses yeah. in a weekend yeah. is not cool. It's a little greedy. It's, it's a little greedy. Exactly. It's a little greedy. Yeah. And and if they could do their hunting away from other orcas, if they just promised not to teach this unethical yeah, don't practice, show the other orcas. That's but, really but braggy. That's, that's really braggy. Well, they were Rebecca. They were so bullied, though. Mm. Like they're they're trying to <gasps> reinstate their. Do reputation you think they were the bullied by sharks? No, by the other orcas. You don't think this they is like shark revenge? No, I really don't. I don't think they even communicate with each other. Mammals and fish, like they don't have the same language even. Yeah. So then it's also like, it's a little extra awful that they're picking on the poor baby yeah. sharks because the sharks just don't it's stand rude. a chance. They don't stand a chance. Yeah. And you know what else I love about your hot top is that it brought us full circle back to Michael Jackson because Free Willy has the best Michael Jackson music video at the end of the VHS tape. Mm, which, what song? Because I don't remember. Da -na, 
like the river Jordan. Jordan. And I will then say to you, I will be there. And Michael Jackson like stands on the rocks while fr- while Willie like jumps over. He's not him, dressed like, like a killer boy. whale. He's just a person. No, he's Michael Jackson. Okay, okay, got it. Have you seen Free Willy? Yeah, but I don't remember this music video at the end of the VHS okay, we're, tape. So. We're gonna find it. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I do. And that will be there. Also, we should have it's said so spoiler good. alert. Free Willy ends with the um, orca getting out. Just oh, it gets spoiler free. alert. Yeah, it, that's literally in the title of the movie, just so in it's case, not much of a spoiler. Just in case. Um, also a children's movie from the 90s, so I think we're allowed to spoil it. I don't know. Dash, Remy, sorry. Yeah. Spoiled a movie you definitely hey, haven't seen. if you guys – yeah, if you're listening, nephews and frefews, <laughs> we're going to watch Free Willy the next time you come over and get ready. Uh, so that's, that's the oh, hot top. And, um, it's so good. I just – I so encourage good. you all to look out – set out a Google News alert about Port and Starbird. Or- a par- port and starboard the orcas the orcas yep yeah and look out for sharks y'all hey it's time for our outro and since this is our memory lane episode we're gonna um tell another story this time you get to tell the story rebecca because we're about to travel together we're about to travel abroad mm-hmm. and we've been reminiscing about some of our international travels you get to tell the story about the first time you came and visited me in Morocco and how you cried when I picked you up at the airport. Oh, yeah. I had to remind you of this because you didn't remember. So I forgot that you <laughs> cried. So this is back when I um, never cried. I was, like, convinced that oh, yeah. I, I didn't have, like, emotional tear ducts. I would only, like, tear up if I stubbed my toe or something. We thought and there was something wrong with you emotionally. I thought there was something really cool. I was like, what a superpower that I can, like, handle <laughs> whatever crises and not cry um fast forward to now that is not the case and if i read a sweet note or if i think of something nice i'll start crying so yesterday i said how happy i was that our friend was coming to house it for us and you cried i was just thinking about how much i love our house so i don't know how else i was supposed to respond Mm -hmm. (laughs) so so back back in the day so so this is like 2009 it's my first time out of the country officially I got a passport. I was so excited. And Rachel, I guess you'd been gone maybe a year or almost a year yeah. at that point. Yeah. And uh, we, you know, kept in touch through email and phone calls and stuff. But I was really excited and to see my friend. G-chat. Oh, right. G-chat. Yeah. Oh, we were on that thing all the time. Skype and phone cards, international prepaid phone cards. Oof. So. Yeah. I was excited for many, many reasons to see my friend and also just to do this like cool travel. And I really, I like the idea of being an international traveler. What a cool Mm -hmm. thing for me. And then it was a pretty long trip. It was um, (laughs) kind of arduous might not be the right term, but it was just, there's a lot of travel. It takes a lot out of you. And that was the first time I'd ever done anything like that. And I just remember the, the extra part of like getting to the airport, finally making it. There not a lot of English, not a lot of like understanding. I'm pretty tired. <laughs> and then you're just you're you don't know at this time because like we didn't have like 
international phone plans or anything. So we just had a plan to meet at a certain time and place. Yeah. And there's that hopeful, like, but what if something has happened? She's been delayed. Uh What if I just don't remember what she looks like? I mean, it's been a year. And then I saw you and you were holding up like a sign with our name on it because we were traveling with our friends. (laughs) And I was just really overwhelmed with both like, I think partly tired and also just like, I was like, oh, I I really, really, really love Rachel. This is like a really important friendship and found myself (laughs) being a little overwhelmed. And uh, yeah, I started tearing up. (laughs) Yeah. It was so fun though. It was so nice. I probably started tearing up too. I used to have such a high level of anxiety waiting for people at the airport because because again, we didn't really have great ways to communicate with each other if we were mm-hmm. like late and there weren't like um like flight tracking online wasn't no, really. No, you should have like so, a general idea yeah. of what was gonna happen. <laughs> we would just like get to the airport a thousand years early and then like sit there with all the other losers just like watching the um watching the automatic doors open and close and see see people come out with their luggage and wonder if it's your mm-hmm. person or not. And mm-hmm. then watching all these families like run to greet each other and hug each other and you're like, oh, it's not my person yet. You know, just yeah. <laughs> a long wait. Yeah. That was nice. What yeah. a nice memory. Yeah. And that was such a good trip. I went back three more times. Yep. Yep. Rachel's really an excellent good. host in case you've never gone to stay with Rachel, you should. She's a very good and host. Let me know. Let me know if you're fasting from anything and I'll make you a baby pool of whatever it is that you haven't been consuming <laughs> for the last month. Just a baby pool <laughs> with a long straw. We got you covered. <laughs> yeah, we got you. We got you. All right, everybody. This is the end of our Schmodcast episode number 28. Um, please feel free to give us your comments and questions. We will be traveling. So we, um, we're we going to record another episode to release while we're away and we might record some while we are away. But if you give us some suggestions, we might not get to them until uh, May or June even. So, But don't hesitate to reach out to us. Mm-hmm. Um, call or text if you know us. Email schmodcastthepodcast at gmail.com or find us on Instagram. Beep bop. Beep boop bop. Boop, beep beep boop. This has been a Rebetchel production. Proud sponsors of Rebetchel B-Day Extravaganza. Doing.